Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. More NFL content today for your earballs, for your listening pleasure, for your NFL preparatory activities. Uh, I am fired up as I've ever been to do a podcast. This is going to be one of the most fun, entertaining, inform, in, uh, informative uh, that we do all season, uh, and all preseason at least. Uh, and uh, Andy, are you as fired up as I am? Yeah, this this might be the first NFL podcast that we talked about. You know, obviously we're always going to do division previews, but like honestly, the, in February, I think I talked to you about this or said we need to do... I mean, I don't want to, I shouldn't even give the spoiler away, which will well, probably be in the fucking title, won't it? Regular <laughs> season win total talk and. And welcoming guests. back. Yeah, welcoming back. Yeah. All time, all time. Uh, most appearances oh, wow. on the Deep Dive podcast. Uh, best friend of the pod. Uh, and uh, I don't know, we got to come up with some kind of good nickname. You have a good nickname, Andy? The Ubermensch. <laughs> the uh the our our friend from across the pond uh german uh handicapping football handicapping extraordinaire uh suma uh fabian summer on uh twitter where can uh where can they find you on twitter at s-u-u-m-a 810 oh that's right sexy germ the sexy german voice of <laughs> suma back on the deep dive podcast welcome back uh, how was uh, how was the off season? Thanks. First of all, uh, thank you guys for having me again. Always a pleasure to talk to you about football. Um, yeah, it was an incredibly long off season. I can't wait for football to start. Um, my off season was basically um, a lot of reading, um, um, learning more about the game, learning more about my own limitations as some kind of a forecaster. Um, Figuring figuring out where the signal, the noise is in the NFL, and um, basically um, digging more into what we are able to predict, what has predictive value, what we can predict, what we shouldn't even what we shouldn't even talk about, and um, then um, I also learned coding in the off season, and oh, that nice. was one of the one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, I don't know why I spent so many time of my life with Excel. <laughs> um, <laughs> really, you're full. You're fully converted. Yeah, oh, completely. I've been I've style. been impressed with it. The what you've been able to do with R, some of the some of the graphics you've made. It's uh, leaps and bounds you've made over the summer. Which, yeah, this is the what I did with my summer vacation. And Zuma yeah. learned a whole coding language yeah. and now Andy, can make yeah. very yeah. beautiful graphics showing stuff. Yeah. Andy, you bet a lot of college basketball and, and golf. Uh, I uh, I got engrossed in the NBA, uh, and uh, Suma learned uh, learned how to code, and he's even more dangerous and even more powerful, you know, <laughs> handicapper of the NFL. Uh, as a result of this, I'm sure. Um, any, uh, oh, Jesus. any other? Now you know any German, other? English, and R. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Any other? Any other especially interesting things uh, come across your uh, your desk as you were kind of number one, learning all of this stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, tips for people who are listening, like, God, I got to do this. Like, you know, how, 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 how would you recommend people getting into this? And then what were some of the most rewarding aspects of the research and work you've done? Um, so uh, do you mean the, the research in general or just um, the coding part? 
Well, I guess both really. Let's start with the coding part. Yeah. Like if someone had just heard you say that and they're like, damn, I need to do this. I mean, it's obviously, it's not too late to get started. You, you know, it'll, you'll eventually get there, but like how, how would you recommend people get started? Um, yeah. So, um, first of all, I wasted like two months. Uh, I didn't learn every day, but, um, let's say across two months, I learned, uh, Python. And after two months, I basically couldn't do anything with it. Maybe I was too stupid. I don't know. Um, and then in, in late May, um, <laughs> I started learning R and it was like two dimensions. Um, with the hours, I was able to do um, data analysis, um, um, digging into the NFL play data, um, basically within one day. And um, yeah, um, I used a lot of DataCamp, um, datacamp.com. I guess um, I, no advertising, but um, it's really great. Um, lots of great courses, and I think I got an offer with like 120 bucks for a year. So um, that's basically super cheap, and um, yeah, it's basically um, learning with DataCamp, and uh, but also learning by doing, using a lot of Google, lot of, lots of great um, phenomenal um, websites out there in the internet, and. Um, yeah, um, by that, um, I used a lot of NFL Scrape R. Um, it's the play-by-play -play data, for those who don't know, um, that you can download from guys like Ron Yurko. Um, and it, it's basically, um, if you merge all seasons going back to 2009, you have like um, 500,000 um, lines of, uh, of data with 259 variables, I guess. And yeah, you can do pretty cool stuff with this. Um, and I, I also got deep into the modeling side, um, lots of great modeling packages out there. And um, right now it's, it's really easy to, um, to test hypotheses and to test ideas. So um, I had so many ideas in the off season. Um, I gotta test this, I gotta test that. Um, if, um, is, is X predictive, is Y predictive, is Z predictive, and is it, uh, is it do variables have some stability from year to year? And um, if, if you are um, able to code, um, I'm still a beginner, but um, it's so easy to, to test hypotheses, to just crunch some numbers, some data, and figure out, hey, um, what's really predictive in this game? And it's it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm basically addicted right now to coding. <laughs> oh, this is great. Yeah. Great. You, you, you hit something hard on the head there as far as, if you've like reached the end and that's a problem for you finding more data where you know there's there's a few websites that a lot of people use the same websites to pull nfl data or you get a membership to pff or football outsiders and you're using that but if you do learn to code i don't think people realize how much free information is out there but you do need yeah. to you do need to know a language like that to to take it and make it any sort of use, unless you want to start tallying stuff by hand over 500,000 lines of code, which, yeah. I mean, you could you could do that too. I wouldn't recommend that, but yeah, some of the stuff you've thrown together, which is some of that, I mean, it's free information that you can download and you can take it and make, you've, you've made some great charts that have shown, like you said, you tested some of your hypotheses. What uh, of those hypotheses? What do you? What what has been surprising, valuable uh, stuff that you've kind of? Yeah, really how are we going to get rich on yeah. NFL? Yeah, what have you glommed onto that you think translates well into the world of handicapping? Um, so first of all, one surprised finding um, was that um, we, as 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 handicappers and probably um, also football fans, 
we are always looking at um, injuries. Yes. So um, we, are, we are saying, hey, uh, Team A last year, they were um, they had a lot of injuries and they were one of the most injured teams in the league. And um, for instance, you can you can easily access this injury data as measured by adjusted games lost by football outsiders. Um, and I just I just collected all the data, I think going back to 2010. And I was trying to look um, what the, what do injuries from the season before have an impact on future future performance, like future uh, wins uh, in one season. And um, I really found that this stat um, is basically useless to predict um, any future changes. Um, so my assumption was um, that you got to figure out uh, what were the important positions a certain, a, a certain team lost. Um, for instance, if, if a team um, loses <laughs> its, its running back um, or um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's just say a left guard that is already replacement level. So it, yeah, it's exactly. starter. Yes, of course. Yeah? So yeah. if they just replace their replacement level left guard with another replacement level left guard. Um, they didn't they really lose have, anything. Yeah. yeah, they could have 15 adjusted games lost, and but it doesn't move the needle at all. So um, just taking this, this number by Football Outsiders, um, I think it's a valuable number to, to just get an overview and see um, um, whether teams had some significant injury luck or bad luck. But just taking this number and trying to pre predict anything of it, uh, that doesn't work. I that love this. Basically one finding. You know, all we got to do is we got to look at fragility. We got to look at, okay, try to find specific examples where there was a significant number of game lost and a team dramatically underperformed their win total. And, and then try to assess like, okay, was, you know, was this because they had a especially fragile roster? You know, like I look at a team like the Rams and I see a very fragile roster, right? Like they are so top heavy with how they've kind of constructed their talent. Like they, if they get a couple of, unlucky injuries this year i think they could way underperform right like they like they're they're the guys yeah. that they bring in to replace the guys you know in offensive line or you know d-line like they count on you know a couple a couple of guys to carry a significant portion of the load and if things happen to those players like they could be in deep trouble uh and so i i do think like you could come up with some kind of metric of fragility of like a roster just in terms of you know, what the difference in space is between the starter and the replacement level guy. And I bet you we could come up with some correlations based on that. But that sounds like a research project for another day. And it sounds yeah. super fascinating. Um, so then as you dive into your process for handicapping regular season win totals, um, I'll just kind of recap how it all goes down. The first ever totals we saw pop uh, were the first week in April. Like literally, like I think it was the day after the final four games i think i don't think the national championship had happened yet but they were basically like college it basketball was, it was, was pre-draft for sure it was pre-draft for sure it was about april 3rd it was the first totals i saw at least uh and ironically they originated in vegas with canter gaming uh or cg tech uh and um they you know they they get the first they throw the first numbers out there westgate was not far behind uh, and then offshores popped not long after that. Limits were all pretty low. 
Uh, numbers were all kind of all over the place. Some looked good, some looked bad, but we hadn't seen the draft yet, so it was tough to really get involved. I don't did we have we even seen the schedule yet at that point? I think we had, right? Like they don't they wait until after we see the schedule, uh, for sure. I think the schedule comes out in March, and then uh, and then we see the, uh, yeah. the win totals pop the first week in April. Um, so is it was it about that time that you started ramping up your preparation and, and your process for handicapping win totals across the league? Oh yeah, I think I, I started um, crunching numbers in like uh, mid March or, or end of March, and yeah, um, while while Vegas opened their their numbers, I I had a pretty good grasp of uh, which totals I like and I would like to bet. Right on. The um, process wise, are you mostly just looking at um, trying to establish take last year's statistics? Uh, for each team, adjust them, come up with priors for this year, and then forward project in that way? Um, roughly speaking, I would say yes. Um, I think we kind of have the, the same process from from what I've known, what you have talked to in the past. Um, I think the the very first step is figuring out what the true performance of one team was the, the year before. Um, so it's, it's just a, a small sample size league. Uh, you only play 13 opponents and you can get really lucky over 16 games. Um, so um, for me, it's very important to, to figure out uh, what the true performance of a team was. So for instance, one team could have gone 12-4, but the true performance looked like a 10-4 a team. Uh, uh, so a 10-6 team. And then you got to figure out why that was. Um, um, Easy schedule, difficult schedule, um, luck, bad luck, turnover luck, um, in, uh, significant injuries, um, tough division, um, basically um, finding out about the causal causal reasons why that happened. Um, and then it's basically just adjusting, like you have said, um, towards um, a pretty base number. And then you got to take a look at what has changed for the team, um, new players, new coaching staff, um, easier schedule the next year and um, from that you you can get a pretty good grasp and um, calculate some numbers or whatever right on um, what do you think the most important changes year over year are for a team I'll, I'll just throw some out there and you tell me if that if I'm in the right ballpark quarterback number one yes coaching staff number two I would think so yes skill position players on offense number three I would say, I would say it's pretty close between coaching and skill position players. Okay. Okay. And then, um, like, uh, coach, coach is back, more like, important than quarterback. You think coaching is more no important? Than, you say, did you say coaching Absolutely. is more important than quarterback? Absolutely. I, oh, I strongly disagree with you there. Strongly disagree. I think if There's, you upgrade, I, I think, I think if I you gotta upgrade, find it. I think I found a study that even proves it. Okay, yeah, I, 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 I would say I would I would say this like I would I would say a, if you, ba- a bad coach I, I want to say it was the bad coaching, the bad coaching could drag you down much worse than a, a bad quarterback, and I I, I, I think you you almost got to throw out like elite quarterbacks because the, an elite quarterback is almost an outlier, where hmm. it's like well shit yeah you got. You know, you, you've got an elite quarterback. It, it would take a ton to drag that down, you know, anywhere past, like, you know, that, that team might even be above their Pythag for multiple years at a time just because that great quarterback. But, yeah, coaching coaching matters a lot more than people think. 
Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, we'll have to dig into that for another episode. We'll do a whole coaching episode. How about that? Um, the um, and we'll, we'll we'll specifically try to hit that question and and, uh, and rank all the coaches. That'll be a fun off season one. We didn't put that on the list, but I saw someone request that. Um, anyway, uh, the uh, so then um, you know, so you kind of do some. Are, are you mostly doing kind of qualitative adjustments to last year's team to come up with a kind of uh, uh, an expected? Uh, level of performance for this year's team before kind of then assessing the schedule is that about the right order of doing things um yeah i would say it's um a little bit like handicapping um where you come up with a base number based on your model or your um, um statistics approaching process i would say um, and then comes the qualitative or intuitive layer where you just got to figure out um what coaching and what personal changes are important and um, I think you also gotta um, get a grasp about the about the upcoming schedule because um, a team could have a very easy schedule the one year and let's say a, a bottom five schedule and a top uh, top five schedule next year for for instance last year the Texans had one of the easiest schedules in the league um, it, it was also um, every pro every projection pointed towards that and um, next year they are going to have the toughest schedule i think um, in the entire league so um that's also very important because as as i've mentioned before you only play 13 opponents out of 31 and you can get very lucky with that so how about um assessing that schedule <clears throat> the most common way for some reason this persists i don't understand how i don't understand why maybe just because people are lazy but the persistent way of of ranking schedules is to look at last year's win-loss percentages and to average them and that seems fraught with including lots and lots and lots of noise um what do you think are more effective ways of evaluating a team's schedule for the 2019 campaign um going back to um doing some some number stuff and coding um you gotta figure out which which metrics, which efficiency metrics, are sticky from year to year, and which are predictive going forward. Um, for example, um, yards per carry are not really sticky and not really predictive of winning in the future, for of scoring points in the future. Um, so you gotta find uh, metrics that are predictive from one year to another. We are talking about a, a very complex sport. So you are never going to uh, find uh, metrics that can accurately predict the future, but um, there are metrics that have some decent signal that, that, that you can use. And um, the second part would be using the wisdom of the crowd and um, just um, going with win totals um, at the sharpest bookmaker in the world, um, Pinnacle. And uh, you, you just get all those totals and um, calculate the future schedule. So, do you know when Pinnacle uh, opened their windows? Um, I think it was um, late April, like like one day after the draft or something. Okay, they so they waited. They they waited a full few weeks after the numbers yeah, got yeah. beat beat up a little bit in Vegas, and then yeah. saw the draft, and then opened. Okay, that, that's cool. And do you? I don't. I've been trying to find this information. I don't know it myself because I don't have an account at Pinnacle. I don't ever limit bet to the tune of you can limit bet at Pinnacle anyway. But uh, do you know about what kind of limits they were taking? Have you heard from anyone who is limit betting there? Um, I think. Um, 
very very early. I think they go with with five hundred um, at the very beginning, but I'm not quite sure. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So what you know the, the, the timing is interesting, Will. Yeah. The timing of the you know granted Pinnacle opened later, but uh, at least I mean like you said CG Tech opened first, but there was other books that opened. It kind of makes you wonder, and this could be a good research project for somebody who knows coding and R and has all the information. But like, uh, does the draft matter? Do rookies really matter at all? Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna put out win totals three weeks before the draft, they're kind of saying no. Like, nothing nothing that could happen would swing it that much. Where maybe some of the the real impact draft picks, where they know, you know, this is this is probably likely to happen. Maybe some of that stuff's already baked in, I guess, but it kind of makes it uh, it makes it uh, seem like they don't really care who drafts who. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's probably a year by year basis. There may be some years where you know there may be two or three or four. Like, like I wonder actually if this year there was more expected stability in the quarterback market year over year this year than last year. Last year, we knew for sure five teams were going to draft quarterbacks, potential starting quarterbacks for week one, right? And you didn't know which quarterback was going to go where or how that was all going to shake out. So there was definitely more uncertainty at the quarterback position last year than there was this year. Um, Really, the only starter we figured, I guess we figured out on draft day, Kyler Murray was confirmed to Arizona, although when they opened the win totals, we kind of knew. Uh, and then Haskins to the Redskins was kind of the other confirmed starter after the draft was over. You don't um, think Daniel Jones moved the needle? No, I don't think anyone expects Daniel Jones <laughs> to make a start this year. I don't think Daniel Jones expects, expects Daniel Jones to make a start oh. this year. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I do. I expect him to start. You expect him to make a start? You think you think he's in any way, shape, or form going to show any kind? Of, we'll, t- we'll talk about the Giants in the day. Um, the um, uh, the uh, Giants will be a mess. I think it'll just be because they're a mess. But yeah, I think okay. So to kind of recap market activities and how you know how that all plays out, and kind of the record keeping that I've done going through the weeks, um, I definitely saw um, openers pop. I'm looking at April third by CG Tech. Uh, and I believe limits mm-hmm. were low, like Suma mentioned, uh, 500-ish at that time. Um, although I don't know anyone that bets at CG Tech, so I couldn't really tell you. Um, and then I saw win totals pop in the offshore markets that are accessible to us U.S. bettors in the middle of April. Um, post-draft, I saw limits go up big time at the likes of Bookmaker. Um, Bookmaker was taking two win 10K. Uh, on win totals as of April 29th. Um, so once the draft was over, once we kind of knew there weren't going to be any major trades, any huge personnel or coaching changes, um, you know, they were willing to take 10K on on uh, on on uh, win totals. Um, I know folks who bet in Vegas. Uh, shout out to Prison Cop Todd. Uh, who was riding Panthers with me last year. He was kind of giving me a lot of the information on what goes on in the desert as far as limits go. Um, and uh, he was able to get down five figures at the Westgate uh, Superbook uh, in April. Um, and actually, from what I've heard from him, that's kind of the highest limits you could get down really anywhere right now. Um, and uh, from Rufus Peabody's tweet string, I would say that the New Jersey books were substantially lower in terms of the exposure they were willing to take uh, in the season, regular season win totals markets. 
Um, I don't think there was really anyone there that was doing much more than four figures and low four figures. Um, and, um, yeah. And then here we sit now pre camp, uh, and everyone's kind of reduced the level of risk they're willing to take. I've seen limits come down everywhere. Weird, weird that that happens. I, you almost never see it go the other direction, but bookmakers throttled everything back to three K five dimes is down to 500. Um, so I'm not sure exactly. I guess they just don't want to get surprised by a weird injury or something like that, like a Teddy Bridgewater type of situation where they're out there with enormous exposure potential and get smashed. So, um, so they, 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 they roll back the limits when there's less activity, I guess. Um, but whatever the case is, uh, people were betting five figure limits into these markets at the offshores for sure at the likes of pinnacle for sure at the likes of Chris bookmaker, uh, and then in Vegas, five figures for sure. Um, so I think it's fair to look at the numbers we have now, the juice we have now, and make some assessments of, okay, these are starting to get mature. Um, does all that check out and jive with what you've experienced and what you've seen, Suma? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I thought that last year we, we saw some, some bigger movement, um, at least on a couple of totals, like um, I think the Colts and the Bills under last year. Um, this, Colts this over year, was huge, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, this year, um, I haven't quantified it, but it just feels like we have um, some slower movement this year. Do you think there's still a lot of money on the sidelines? Pro- maybe, yeah. I think there are a couple of, um, a couple of totals that moved um pretty heavily at some time um for instance um the redskins i think in in, in the middle of may um, suddenly dropped down from like um minus 105 to minus 130 within one or two days um um and also the bears total um so yeah i think these markets are getting kind of matured but it just feels like something is still coming yeah yeah. Okay. Uh, Andy, uh, question for you. Regular season win totals. Uh, have you gotten involved at all yet? Do you get involved heavily? What is your What are your general thoughts on the efficiency of these uh, regular season win total markets and how you bet into them preseason? Well, yeah, before we get to the research that you did, like, I, I feel like I was already on that train. You ever have one of those? And, I, you know, it goes back to like Suma talking about testing his hypothesis. This was like a great moment in just gut feelings being proven right by numbers because I always thought like these win totals, it seems like such a fickle thing where you're not betting, you know, a single game or event. You're betting, it's such a cascading thing where let's say one, you know, one injury to a major play, like a quarterback, one of the top five quarterback gets hurt. This yeah, has happened which, before. This which happens, every other, happens, happens every other year. Happens every other year. Happens every year, for sure. It happens uh, probably every other year a top five quarterback misses some time. This is a cascading, you know, a cascading event where it just moves everything. You know, some teams are going to get wins they shouldn't. A team's going to take losses. It's it's such an intricate web betting into these because a few little changes, uh, a trade, an injury, a scheme change you didn't see coming, like just shit not working yeah. out. One team, one or two teams being much worse team changes everything. It's a finite yeah. amount. Of, yeah. you know, 
Yeah, you t- you t- you t- yeah, the Giants two years ago. You you yeah. take out ties just because I don't want to hear about it. There's a finite amount of wins in the NFL, and if two teams underperform, those wins got to get spread out everywhere else, and it becomes a real slippery slope because the the amount of you know you can run simulations, but the amount of simulations that it would have to be would be you know, hundreds of millions, I suppose, to really account for everything. So I take it pretty easy, I guess I'm saying. I don't get too involved. I usually have two or three that I feel good about. Um, Something I like, and you know, you can't get crazy with these and the limits aren't super high, but there are, there are really nice, like two way markets on divisions and stuff. I like throwing some of those together. And then, I mean, just uh, before, before you talk about it, I'm going to, I'm going to say, the alt win totals too, and if you want to explain yeah. why, based on what you what you learned, I, I don't know when you did that research exactly, but I think if you are looking at something, you really think you have an edge. You found something that you think will be predictive going forward. You should probably look at not only betting that regular season win total, but looking for an alt win total. Yeah, and going sell as far game. as you can the sell other way, and, and sell a full sell, game sell a full game, sell two games if you want, <laughs> sell two games. and and just keep going. You know, and maybe maybe to smaller amounts as you go, but it, it definitely seems like a plus EV move if you think you actually have an edge in that. And yeah, I mean, talk talk about what you figured out when you ran the numbers. Yeah, there. okay. So let me think of a fun way to set this up. Sum, I'll ask you a question. Um, over the last four seasons, uh, what do you think the biggest miss on a win total was like how many how many wins were they off by the biggest in the last four seasons do you have the numbers i have a number in front of me um i would say maybe um that's really tough man that's really tough. <laughs> it's a big number. <laughs> Gonna put you on the spot here. Um, bigger than two. <laughs> um, bup, bup, bup. <laughs> I, I would, I would say, Cowboys in 2016 after Tony Romo got injured. Oh, you were oh, close, you, man. You went You're for close. a specific one. Yeah, I didn't know you were going to actually guess the specific one. That one is ah, okay. There. That one is up there. The Cowboys were four wins higher than expected that year. They got 13 wins when they were expected to get nine. But that's still a delta of four. Um, Andy, do you have a guess? Now you now that Suma guessed a specific team, you have to guess the specific team. Yeah, no, I have to guess the specific team. Rams last, or Rams two years ago. Ooh, that is really, 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 really close. Saints two years ago. The Saints two years Bears ago. Bears last year. How about Bears last year? What was Bears, that delta? Bears last year was enormous, uh, and it's tied yeah. for the most. Actually, it's oh, not quite tied. Sorry, it's half a game under the most. Oh. The Bears last year. The Bears delta really? last year was six and a half. Uh, they won twelve games after being lined over under at a five and a half. So they were off by six and a half wins. Um, the biggest Delta in my database is the Carolina Panthers in 2015. Um, they were <laughs> expected to win seven 
and they won. Uh, I'm sorry, they were expected to win. Yeah, they were expected to win seven, and they won fifteen. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a shitload. Uh, they're off by eight wins. So, um, so and you know, and and uh, would you and, say and, on you know, average these yeah. aren't? Would you say on average, Whale, these aren't all that close over the I long run? I would say that. I would say that. Yeah. Okay. So, Sum, I'll put you on the spot again because I have the numbers in front of me. How? What do you think the average misfit is? What's the average delta? between the lined win total and the actual win total for an NFL team over the last four years? Um, so <laughs> last year it was um, 2.1 by nickel win totals. So I would <laughs> oh, you say... Know. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, he knows. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Something like 2.3 or something, 2.4. 2.3, it's 2.3 exactly. It was 2.5 yeah. last year, dragged it down. It's 2.3 now. Um, but still... That means that the number that you're seeing on average, if you just pick a random team up on the board, the number that you see for their win total is on average off wrong by two, uh, by two and a half, actually. Uh, the median is off by two. And so, you know, granted, there are some outliers that drag the average uh, a little bit more extreme from the median. The median is probably a little bit more predictive. But yeah. Um, and so if, on, if the median is off by two, that means you can take a uh, a a window around the win total of plus and minus one win right so we can take a two win window let's give you an example the cardinals uh actually the cardinals are a bad example let's take uh let's take the the bears this year the bears this year are nine and a half you can go up to ten and a half and down to eight and a half uh what Kind of, what per, what percent likelihood would you guess, knowing nothing else, Sumo? What percent likelihood would you guess they fall inside that two win window? So so plus minus one. Plus minus one. How often do they fall inside yep. that, including pushes? Um, something around thirty five to forty percent. Thirty five. It's twenty eight percent of the time. So crazy. only twenty, only like, like about one in four times they this fall stuff within a win think, yeah. of the posted closing. And this is closing. This is after they've gotten sharpened, after they've gotten beaten up. The summary of all of this really is just these lines are not especially sharp. Even at yeah. even even the even if they are exceptionally more efficient on the close than they are in the open, the uncertainties surrounding these are huge. Mungus. And without a doubt in my mind, the the um the price difference that they give you for buying a half win, selling a half win is nowhere in the ballpark, nowhere close to what it is worth. And if you are willing to sell half a game, sell a full game, whatever you can do to sell games on these totals, do it because you're gonna add expected value to your actual side that you've predicted here. Um, and you know, and, and you've talked about that with the NBA, just there's a very sides. There's a very specific reason why this is there's logic behind this. This isn't just, we're looking at observed data and noticing some weird shit. Like, like you fundamentally look at the distribution of wins for any given season across all teams. And it's wide. Some teams will have twos and threes and fours. Some will have, you know, the Patriots will have 12 and there will be other teams in the 10, 11, 12 range. Right. But then you look at the win totals and they're bunched around eight. 
It's just there's a natural kind of bunching in the center around eight and eight uh, that is a product of they are effectively summing the likelihood of winning any given game. Uh, and the, in reality, there are a lot more moving parts than that. And the distribution is a hell of a lot wider. And whoever is kind of constructing this kind of distribution from scratch is coming up with, you know, they don't, they're not appropriately counting for uncertainty or something like that, because there's just, and it's, it's, it's about kind of the extremes. Like you can't line the Cardinals as a three win team. You have to line them as five. Like, even though the Cardinals are oh, aren't you, favored the in a, take be the, awful. the Cardinals aren't, aren't favored in a single game. They are a pick them week one, or which will probably close lines minus one, minus two. They, they, Without a doubt, like they are saying there's a bunch of games where they are going to be field goal underdogs and they could win a handful of those games. And all told, they add up the likelihood of a bunch of, you know, 0.2% chance of beating the Rams twice and 0.3%, you know, or 20% chance of beating the Rams twice and 30% chance of beating the Seahawks and 40% chance of beating the Niners. Add them all up and they get, well, they should win around five games this year. And so that's the line they hang. And, you know, lo and behold, like in reality, there are, is a much, much broader uncertainty that goes into that calculation. And, and yeah. she's just getting a much tighter distribution of win of expected win numbers than you actually will end up with in reality. None of this helps you. Yeah. And yeah. Car- Cardinal sidebar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Car- and Cardinals sidebar. If you really feel strongly about a Cardinals over, there's probably a rookie of the year number you're going to want instead. <laughs> like that's sometimes you can look at an alternate market if if that's if that's your whole basis for an over on something like that. <laughs> like the the Browns over hit as well, but there was and I guess that one didn't hit. You had the you had the Barkley rookie of the year, but there are other ways to attack it. But it's. I've thought uh, two things that come to mind quick is, yeah, like I I brought up a little there. We've said this with, you know, like your NBA, you're trying to sell points in the NBA because the distribution of scores, especially totals is so wide. Especially for certain games. That's kind of the key. It's not every And and yeah, especially in certain certain games. games, And then, And just with the the variability and the volatility and the, the high variance of, all the different scenarios you can have in the NFL, like you've said, the numbers show these aren't that close. The distribution is going to be wider than you think on every single one of these. We're selling. I don't know, like, and that's the question I want for you. Is it is it even more plus EV selling a half game? Because I feel like it's a super high. It's almost a little counterintuitive. Like the way you talk about the NBA, it's like they score two hundred fucking points in a game. <laughs> like a uh, half point yeah. it's just such a small it's such a small thing in, yeah. in the grand scheme of this as far as a percentage of the total points scored that they're underpricing what you're getting and you're getting a value for selling that half point and it, it, i think maybe that would be the hardest thing for someone to grasp on and at first it was a little difficult for me to be like well i mean they can only you know there's only so many outcomes again taking out ties you you know that what is it there's 17 different outcomes for uh, a team's a team's record for the year if you don't have any ties like it, it seems like such a small distribution but I mean the numbers don't lie do you, do you think just based on everything it's still it's still a great value to sell a half game or a full game yeah I, I think the the key really just comes down to um, they aren't going they they there is a the the price to 
buy. They want to entice you to buy. They don't really think about the selling because of the way that people's minds work in this space. Does that make sense? That, that's my, and that's where I was hoping want, you'd say that because my want, second point was the overs. There's yeah, more, right. if you add them all together, most years, and I would assume this year is like most years, if you add them all together, there are usually more wins than, than are possible. That's a good like point. The, yeah, that's true. The public yeah. tend, and that's where, and that's where my second thought would be. If you are betting an under, I would be even more enticed to sell because the premium on the price you're going to get is even better on unders because yeah, right. overs for the most part will be priced at a premium because of just the way how people think and how people bet. Yeah. Right. Plus, plus the likelihood of, I, I personally think if you're betting an under bet all the way all under on it, uh, because mm -hmm. the likelihood of if she, you're, if you're basically, you're basically saying, you know, shit's going to go wrong. And if shit goes wrong, then it, they might as well go all the way wrong, right? Like they're not going to look up in November and be like, well, we're one in, you know, nine. Let's hustle our way in to get to, you know, three and three and uh, 13 here. Like they might as well, we might as well just bag like the 49ers the first. Yeah, exactly. Like might as well, well, the 49ers screwed you <laughs> in the other way because they brought it. Well, that, I know that's, yeah, that was yeah. why I brought it up. Yeah, right. That's all maybe one. That's a, that's an outlier example. I think that's an anecdotal outlier. But yeah, no, the, that um, is an outlier. There's no chance that should not cash. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But uh, so, so I think you know. But I think there is a general trend, a general tendency of when shit goes wrong, like just pack it in, right? And so I, the, in, and that pushes, you know, that helps push and helps secure some of the extremes here. Um, so yeah, I think last year, yeah, last year, um, the um, the sum of all true win totals at Pinnacle was two hundred sixty point seven. So 4.7 wins um, over what is truly <laughs> possible. Yes. So it was legitimately impossible to win money betting every over, even if you had even even if you had even big. You, yeah, could, the say, you could not have won. Seven, yeah, right. The, the under was 17, 13, and 2. Amazing. Amazing. Um, can you talk a little bit more about how you incorporate the Pinnacle win totals in your uh, handicapping for the season and, and what you've kind of noticed as you look at the schedule for this season, besides just the Texans having an especially tough schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Let me put it up. Um, so um, I basically use this as some kind of an indicator. So um, I know that I can't very accurately predict the future schedule, but um, I think Pinnacle win totals predict it very well and let's say so well that you, we should use it as a tool good relative um, good relative strength of the team across the teams maybe yeah, maybe exactly. maybe there's a broader distribution but in terms of relative strength of the team it's a good predictor where i am completely willing to buy into that yeah exactly um and so, so yeah it's uh really funny that the texans are going to play the um the hardest schedule in the league um, according to the win totals, and um, surprise, surprise, the Patriots uh, with the easiest schedule in the league. <laughs> because the Patriots don't have to play the Patriots, and because they get yeah. to play the Jets, Dolphins, and Bills twice every yeah. freaking and, year. <laughs> and it's just interesting to look at um, the differences between last year. So, for instance, um, let me check. I think it was Chicago. Chicago had a very easy schedule last year. I think based on just simple win-loss records, they were like the easiest or second easiest schedule in the league last year. And this year, it's going to be the sixth hardest. 
So, uh, kind of a decent swing. Mm. Very, very cool. Uh, interesting way of looking at it. Have you seen other people and you have any other kind of uh, alternate uh, ways of evaluating strength of schedule that you've seen people post via social media or via blogs that you think have you thought about or include in your decision making? Um, no, I just go with my basically my own research on this. Andy, anything you've seen that we should give some shine Trust to? Yourself. I feel like there's a bunch of stuff. Um, I mean, the, your Pythag thing, I like that. I'd like to go back and look at that and see. I don't have the thought fully processed in my head yet. It's not there. It's like 60% there where you take every year's Pythag win totals, mix it up somehow with the the strength of schedule because you'll know the strength of schedule afterwards. That's the only time you'll ever know the actual strength of schedule is after the season. And then try to come up with some some way to tell if like Pythag combined with strength of schedule. Well, I mean, they, they work together. They're very actually tied into each other. I'm trying to figure out if you can make any sort of predictiveness based on maybe an implied strength of schedule for the next year. You'd want you'd want two strength of schedules for every year, the actual after the season, and then what what you were looking at pre-season, because I'd want to do some comparisons with there. That's the only thing that's rattled through my brain so far. My my research is was I mean this podcast. I was going to ask Suma what he thought about a lot of things. I was high on the a couple teams to start out. I won't spoil anything, but uh, I think a lot of my stuff was situational and. Until I start actually crunching some numbers once we get a little closer to the season. It sounds like Suma's got about five months advanced start on us right now. Well, let's let's shed some <laughs> light on the round ball. <laughs> you're playing <laughs> golf now, man. Uh, you're really behind this year. Um, anyway, the uh, the Pythag. Let's give a little bit more shine to that. Um, it's worth and and Suma, you talked about it too. We've mentioned it. We should, but we should provide a little bit more context, a little bit more flesh to this. The Pythag win total is a good way. If you didn't go, if you didn't comb through every play by play, if you didn't personally evaluate what was a lucky win with with versus what was a, an earned win, or kind of decompose things in a way that you can re um, combine them to give you us a, a better predictor of a team's strength from the previous season and how many wins they got. If you don't have that on hand, Pythag is a great approximation of that. It is a great shortcut. Uh, and it has shown have some predictive value year over year, not a ton, uh, but there, and, and really the important reason we should be talking about this is there are a lot of betters in the marketplace who really heavily rely on this. So it's always kind of worth knowing and seeing the Pythag uh, differences before the win totals pop so you can get a sense of what way the market's going to go. That way, if you have an edge on a certain team, you can look and say, oh, Jesus, there's like a plus two differential on their Pythag versus their actual wins. This is going to get hit hard by the market at large. If I have an edge from a different angle, uh, I better go get it early instead of wait around for this number to get bet up by a game or a game and a half. Right, like that's kind of my un, my general underlying philosophy as it comes to the Pythag win totals. Um, but effectively, uh, you know, a, a, just again as a quick example, uh, a team like the Bills last year uh, had six wins. But if you take their point, offensive points scored, defensive points allowed, calculate their Pythag win total, it was about four and a half. 
So they overperformed expectations by a win and a half last year uh, in getting two six. Uh, so if you had that, if you were part of the the crew that steamed the shit out of that Bills under, uh, I we apologize. You know, you you probably were on the right side. You have a bad luck loss there. Um, and you know, you kind of go through uh, this process for all the teams, and you see some fascinating stuff. The Dolphins overperformed enormously last year they ended up with seven wins they should have had 4.6 they overperformed by 2.4 wins that was the biggest of everything in my database uh in terms of underperformance surprisingly the ravens underperformed they should have had 11.3 wins they only ended up with 10 um broncos underperformed by 1.3 wins giants underperformed by 1.7 um so there were there were some there were some pretty good uh, over and under performances across the league last year, none more than, uh, except for the bike, except for the Dolphins, none more than that by about one and a half ish wins. Um, the Vikings did exactly as they were expected. They won eight. They were expected to win eight point six. Um, sorry about that, Andy. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. I think it's important and in terms. I, of it kind it, of makes, it makes me think of something here. Sure, go ahead. Um. It makes me want, first off, to want to know, like, what percentage of the teams that show, I don't know, you'd have to set a threshold for it, but they show an over or underperformance one way or the other with their Pythag number. Pick your whatever threshold you want, something that would be statistically significant, and then look at the movement based off that in the betting market on the regular season win totals, whether it's, you know, an underperforming team getting hit for the over next year, underperforming team for the, for the overperform, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I would want to know, like, and, and that, that would be interesting to me to see a team that was way off on a Pythag that didn't get hit. That's not getting bet in the, in the direction you would think it would get or at all. It makes you wonder if that number you know, the book overcompensated for that, where they, you know, even without Pythag numbers, just public perception or what happened to that team. And you'd need some context too. Now I kind of want to look at that, uh, look at some of those openers and see if there was any teams that essentially were saying should be getting bet one way based on under or over performance from last year, but they're not. And then look at a why and see I if that, because that number I would think would be off the other way. Yeah, right. No, and there is an example of that, and we'll get to it in a second. We'll, we'll go through a couple of team-by-teams and kind of talk about this. Um, but you brought up cool. a really key point there, though, which is the pi- why is Pythag valuable? What is its underlying value, if it's valuable at all? And in my opinion, it is kind of entirely in the framework of public perception. You have a team that yeah. won 10 wins, 10 games last year when people – Go to the window who have not done, you know, who have not learned R in the offseason and have not calculated the, uh, you know, the, the, the potential impacts of injuries to various positional players. Uh, if you are just walking to the window and you, you may look at, well, how many did they win last year? And if you look at the Cowboys, they won 10 last year. You think, oh, well, maybe their win total is going to be 10 again. And that's going to be tough for me to decide if I want to bet over or under. And you get to the window and you see eight and a half. You might say, oh, shit, I would better bet, bet, bet the over there. Right. And then what, maybe what you don't realize is that, you know, they had one and a half lucky wins and that their Pythag win was actually eight and a half. Uh, and so I think that helps kind of shape the market in a lot of ways. Um, and for the Cowboys specifically, I mean, obviously they're a public team, so it's tough to, you know, tough to kind of evaluate them in a bubble. Yeah, there's um, a text. But, 
Yeah, right. But but I do think that a lot of this comes down to, okay, well, people are going to look at last year's record and how many wins they got last year, how many wins they got the last several years, and kind of use that as a jumping off point to tell how they're going to do this year. Is that all, Jeff Zuma? Um, yeah, exactly. Um, I think that uh, Pythag in general is heavily priced into the market and into those regular se- season win totals. Um, but as you said, um, I think you should rather use it as an indicator because um, I think in 2019, you would guess that almost everyone is using some some kind of Pythag. Um so um, maybe some builds betters don't, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, most betters should be aware of uh, Pythag, and 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 you can also see it when you look at the openers. Um, it's, it's so heavily influ- influenced by 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 Pythag, or let's say just be um, by the thought process behind Pythag. So I think it, it's heavily influenced into the market, and you can pretty pretty well. Um, predict um some line movements right off right out of the gate okay cool well let's let's uh let's summarize what we did so far and then let's pivot entirely into going through a couple of team by team examples um putting a point final final point on uh number one learn r and then use your use your skills to uh to go to nfl scraper uh scrape play-by-play data evaluate it for yourself find angles find you know and translate it into the handicapping world uh, i can't wait to see this bear fruit for you especially suma because you already have the handicapping and the intangible side of this down so substantially add you know add a little bit of you know more robust number side it's going to be fascinating to see how this you know kind of comes together so uh very excited uh number two i would say um for sure, these win totals, while they do have kind of a median predictiveness relative to the rest of the teams, uh, they are wildly um, uncertain. And there is an enormous uh, standard deviation around these, which makes it extremely tough uh, to convince me in any way, shape, or form that it is ever valuable to buy a half a win, to buy a full win. In fact, I think hard the other direction, you should be selling no matter which direction, no matter which way you feel about a team over or under. And, you know, and, and obviously there are clear and obvious examples where this doesn't hold true. A team like the Patriots year over year is extremely stable, but there are certain teams in this league and you can probably think of a handful of them off the top of your head where they are boom or bust this year. There is an enormous uncertainty around how they will perform. Uh, and you can probably just, you know, just think of, think of them get off the top of your head, Andy. Can you think make of a round robin teams? with those alts? Make, make a round robin with those alts. Hell do it both ways. Make a round robin with, with unders and overs because not obviously don't put both on the same team in the same round robin. Cause that's a guaranteed loser. But you know what I'm trying to say is that like, it could be high. It could be low. Like, you know, roll the dice, get a better price and don't, don't add to your vig uh, for, for, on a bet that is that has such an enormous uncertainty associated with it, uh, and then the last point we were trying to put a put a put a, uh, a pin in is just Pythags may not may or may not have predictive value at this point, but you better know about you know better know what it was for last year relative to the actual performance, so that you can kind of separate out what was lucky from you know actual strength of teams last year uh, in a way that uh, kind of helps you understand what the market's going to do one way or the other. Anything else? Second I missed? to last point there. It might be the it might be the one market where you can let variance be your friend. Oh, let yeah, variance for sure. work for you for a little. Sure. 
Like normally sure. variance is just out to get you, but the, the pricing on some of these alts is off. They're paying you too much. You're getting too good of a price on some of these alts, and variance is actually your friend in this one specific market. Yep, for sure, for sure. Um, okay, Suma, I'll give you first crack. Is there a team that you are just burning to dive into their regular season win total and talk about? Um, yes, um, I'm just deciding which one to take. Um, there were a couple, um, and especially late in April, there were there were a couple of totals where you could fully expect them to move um, very quickly in May. And um, one of those was uh, Dallas Cowboys under. I, I think I've got them at minus 104. And um, right now it's like minus 145 or something. And yeah, the Cowboys were also incredibly overperforming last year. And um, I have them as one of the biggest regression teams, um, negative regression teams going to the season. Among others, among others. Are yeah, you under eight, under? Somewhere. What are you under nine? Nine and a half? Under nine. Under nine. Under nine. Under nine. Okay. Okay. Under nine. Wow. Wow, that's a big disparity in prices too between Pinnacle and uh, and Bookmaker, Pinnacle and some of the public books, who are still looking for under money on the Cowboys. Um, okay. Uh, we mentioned it in the run up. Then uh, Cowboys won ten. Their Pythag said they should won eight and a half. Um, and you know, I guess what are some of the other, other than just flat out, they're going to regress. What are some of the other factors that you kind of weaved into your decision-making to bet Cowboys under nine? Um, so Dak Prescott has been, um, consistently declining since his rookie year. Um, they're getting Travis Frederick back for the offensive line, but I don't think that's going to, to move the needle very much. Um, last year, um, it, it was a below average offense. And they um, heavily um, benefited from, from, let's say, high leverage turnovers on defense and um, some high leverage plays on, on offense. I think um, Dak Prescott ranked something like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he ranked something like um, 20th in expected points added per pass and like 7th in written probability added per play. Um, so he had some crazy huge plays. Um, that, that shouldn't oh, have turned man. too much gain. Um, for instance, those two Amari Cooper touchdowns against the Redskins, I think he was just 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 throwing um, some kind of a simple slant and Cooper made two guys miss and went for 90 yards, yards for a touchdown. Um, these were the kind of um, plays that had, um, let's say, um, standard scoring expectation, but the distribution for Dak Prescott was just completely um, on the right side. The game-winning touchdown against the the second game against the Eagles was even more wild. Hit the guy, oh, hit yeah, the Eagles yeah. defensive back on the damn helmet, and it bounced up in the air. And Amari Cooper caught the touchdown. Was that? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and um, I think also Week 17 against the Giants, um, very close game, and he had that crazy oh, yeah. fourth down touchdown to Beasley, I guess. Um, and yeah, and and on defense they had some. They weren't creating many turnovers, but the turnovers they created led to some crazy change in win probability. Um, and I think overall, the way this team played, 
um, leaning a bit more on defense, not being very efficient on offense, um, and having a lot of luck. I think there were also plus six in close games differential. Um, and everything combined together, I don't think um, they they are going to win more, more than nine wins wins next year. Uh, sorry, more than nine games. Um, and I gladly took the under um, at, at, great, at a great price. Mm. They also have a coach who doesn't know when to punt or go for it on fourth down. So you have that and in your first favor. Year play caller. <laughs> first year play caller and Kellen Moore. Any expectation for Kellen Moore? Um, according to reports, he's going to play some kind of a um, spread college offense with a lot of pre-snap movement. Um, but the problem is for the Cowboys that they have that superstar at running back and um, Jason Garrett just wants to pound the ball. And I'm, I have no clue whether Kellen Moore is going to um, call this offense like he wants to do or if uh, guys like Jerry Jones or Jason Garrett are demanding some, some run-heavy approaches to feed Ezekiel Elliott. Very cool. Mm, Andy, uh, your pick. Who do you want to talk about? Well, it's that time of year where I take the Seahawks under again. Oh. A plus, I, I do this a lot. I always fade the Seahawks. I'm doing it again. They don't seem to want to improve the offense. I guess they did draft a wide receiver. The first rounder was a defensive player. They lost Earl Thomas. They lost Doug Baldwin. Uh, it just feels like a 500 team at best. I don't, I don't see, and I have looked at the schedule a little. I did a little bit of schedule diving. You can get a plus number on under eight and a half wins in the Seahawks. I'm pegging them at seven to eight wins. I think a plus number is pretty nice. I don't love the coaching up there. I haven't loved the coaching up there for a while. The The only thing that scares me about like making this a bigger play is just, I mean, Russell Wilson is still just magic. He will, he'll pull wins out. Uh, what I'm not looking at the pie thing. I should actually pull that up. What was theirs last year? Ten and a half versus ten wins. <laughs> so they underperformed by a half yeah. one last year. Yes, and they and still did underperform, and I still like it. Yeah, they uh, they opened this. They they win ten last year. The opener was eight and a half. Uh, it has gotten so basically they they bumped it down one and a half wins despite them underperforming by half one. Uh, and then um, since then it's taken a decent amount of money to the over, and it's bumped up to nine. Yes. Um, so yeah. You're getting a little bit better value there. You can come against the, uh, come back against the, uh, the public a little bit, I guess. Um, and I will say too that I am looking. I just pulled up Bet Online right now. Um, just let me click through. They're taking five hundred. Bet Online. We've been is referencing Pinnacle. Yeah. 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 We're 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 referencing Pinnacle lines a lot, and we probably should be using that as a measuring stick because. It's hard to judge a full market when they're only taking five hundred dollars on these. Impossible. So I'm I'm just pulling this up. I should look, yeah, you know, look at Pinnacle or Chris for a true reading on the market on the the true price. But also, you know, if you're not if you're not wanting to bet insane amounts on on some of these because maybe we, we scared you off doing that anyway with how much variance <laughs> are in these, uh, you know, shop around. Like uh, I can't. I can't say this enough during the year, but chop around because there will be some some variance um, from one book to another on just not even not only prices, but some will be 
you know, a complete half win off with the the index indexing flipped around. Where what, what's Pinnacles under nine for uh, Seattle? I don't have it up. Uh, I see. Oh, you, I, I mean, I'm assuming it's a minus number. Yeah, it is. It's minus a lot. Uh, minus uh, one forty five at a bookmaker. Seattle is eight point five, and the over is minus one forty two. So basically, eight point nine. Yeah, with roughly even juice. So they there's there's a it's a much juicier under nine at uh, bookmaker. Uh, this, and I guess what we're learning here beyond just the fact that um, it's tough to pick out and single out a book to reference because you want to pick one that has relatively high liquidity, high limits, um, but shop around <laughs> you're going to get wildly different prices just across the offshore space based on this last five seconds so yeah i think um i think right i have now, a few open now it's it is all over the place yeah if you're not looking to put thousands on these really 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 shop around because there's going to be a big difference in a lot of these yeah let's get I'm more stay in, always get more out always shop around i'm going to stay in division with you with the Seahawks and talk about the Niners. Um, they won a whopping oh, four for, Oh, did you have the Niners? I, I can flip. I'll flip. I'm going to no, do no. I'll, I'll flip. I know, I'd, lo- I'd love to, I want to hear your take on it because I, I just think it's interesting in the same division. I, I think I find it fascinating because they won four games last year. Uh, their pie thag was 5.2 having lost Jimmy G early in the season. Uh, Shanahan made Nick Mullins into an absolutely serviceable quarterback, despite uh, no one having never ever heard of him in my life. Um, and the Niners win, uh, so they underperformed by 1.2. They get their starting quarterback back, and they open this sucker at 8.0. That is a four-game expected improvement. Um, that is the highest delta year over year of any team in the NFL. Uh, so basically, the Niners are expected to improve more in terms of wins than any other team. And four is a lot year over year. That's tough. Uh, it is, you know, about, you know, that type of delta, just in just raw, you know, in, 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 taking entirely outside of the, um, uh, the situational aspect of getting your starting quarterback back. Winning four games more than your previous season is really tough. Like less than... of teams can do that. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see if they can make that jump just on the basis of Jimmy G. Jimmy G can even say healthy. Uh, That's a a uh, whole other research project right there. And the market, but the market is... Taking all the biggest Delta ones and looking at... Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Looking at how many were quarterbacks. Yeah. Because I feel like a bunch probably were. A bunch probably were, yeah. Um, but, uh, and that gets you, that goes back to our, is our quarterbacks more valuable than coaches because for sure they, they're, they're changing these lines much more on quarterback change than they are on coaching change. That's for damn sure. Um, but the Niners, uh, Delta for, and guess what? People still want to line up at the window and bet this over eight, uh, over eight was opened at minus one Oh five up to minus one ten, up to minus one twenty. So it's gone up. Uh, about 15 cents if you want to get your over bet down on the Niners. I don't know that I agree with this. I don't know that I'm feeling Niners much better or worse than an 8-8 eight and eight team. They do not – this is a classic team that is a, is a good stay away, in my opinion. They are not a good boomer bust 
if they happen to, I would not bet the over on this if you gave me a free bet. Um, but uh, this, you know, they they are kind of low ceiling, high floor. Uh, if they get a full complement of games out of their quarterback this year, uh, to where I'm not sure why this is a sought after bet. I really don't. Um, you know what I would want to bet on him? What's that? If uh, somebody and I don't think anyone offers this, and somebody should, if there's any bookmakers listening, exactly eight. Exactly. Give me eight. like fifteen. Yeah, give me like fifteen to one on exactly eight. I wonder if you could parlay under that eight and a half with over seven and a half. But you oh, could. Here we go. I think we figured it out. We reverse engineered <laughs> it. I don't know if they'd let you do two on the same team, but it'd be interesting to see what kind of price you got on that. Um, yeah, it would be. I think I, I, I got all excited about the Niners, and then I ended up in the same boat as you like here. It's like, yeah. And, and back to the coach versus quarterback argument, like there is something to be said for replacement. Like you really got to look at what's going on like the Nick Mullins thing. Nick Mullins had a couple good games and that was fun, but when you when you do lose a quarterback, there's so few good backups in the league anymore. It just feels like that's such a death sentence to the season. Yeah, I guess true. I don't blame them for saying if if, if they went lower than eight, they would have got pounded on seven or seven and a half. Like the the hand was forced based on the Jimmy G hype from last year and where it's headed this year. It's probably a really like I feel like what you're what you said is saying they have a low range. Yeah. Like this right. is like you said, that, they aren't a boomer bust. I don't see them what's a good team with this wild uncertainty. Um okay. Uh Suma, back to you. Who do you want to talk about next? Who I wanna talk about next, let me check. Um can we talk about the builds? Without a doubt. <laughs> this was one we were uh, gonna get to absolutely great, great one to hit. So um the over uh, the the uh, sorry the win total moved to um, on Pinnacle it's six point five at minus six uh, minus one hundred sixty eight to the Hoo-wee. over. That's um, basically that's basically seven minus one twenty. Yeah, 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 exactly. Seven point one exactly. So um, at, at minus uh, one hundred sixty eight. Um, you have a break-even percentage of 63%. That, that means that 63% of the time, the Bills need to win seven or more games. I mean, that's completely ridiculous in my opinion. <laughs> so, so first of all, they, they slightly overperformed last year. Um, and what Josh Allen did on the ground was absurd. It was really absurd. Um, it was really... Um, it was better than career high Michael Vick in terms of efficiency <laughs> and what he has done for the team on the ground. And even over um, the past couple of uh, weeks to end the season, um, I've seen many Bills fans um, talk about that ending to the season where they, I think they went like, um, I, don't, I don't really know. I, I'm going to look it up now. Um, they but, finished three and, three and one? Something like that, I guess. I have it right now. Um, so it was of the think, Panthers. It was four to three, um, and um, I think six games were with Josh Allen. They went from three to seven to um, six ten. Um, but over the last five games with Josh Allen, 
Um, they won against the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, against the Detroit Lions, and against the Miami Dolphins. So that wasn't really special. And they did that um, by playing very bad through the air. So I think Josh Allen, um, he averaged like um, 0.85 or 0.9 EPA per run over, over the stretch of five games. And just for comparison, Lamar Jackson was at um, 0.14. And Todd Gurley was at, I think, 0.15. So he, he averaged like uh, 0.7 expected points added per play more than Todd Gurley averaged over the full season. Um, and it was completely ridiculous. And in my opinion, <laughs> and also in the opinion of math, that's not sustainable. And I don't in really the see... opinion of math. <laughs> yeah. I don't really see enough um, I love that. improvements. <laughs> I don't really see enough improvements um, so that I could play the over. Um, at this point, if, if the price goes even higher, even higher, I think I have to play the under just because it's such a ridiculous price. Um, and yeah, if they win seven games in the end, it might be that um, Josh Allen makes a crazy jump in the passing game, which I can't predict right now, or their schedule is getting so incredibly easy yeah. that they're going to sneak out a couple of games. But... Um, based on pure performance and what I expect from this team, um, all things equal, I don't really see how they are getting to seven wins very easily. Mm. I think, I, I guess, if it was at six, even at six and a half with relatively fair juice, I could understand the case for the over on the basis solely of schedule being easy. Um, but all the points you make are very valid. Uh, I do wonder about the predictiveness year over year of quarterback rushing. Um, there is some evidence that quarterback rushing is like wildly, uh, you know, wildly plus EV in a way that no one would necessarily have expected. Uh, and sometimes when that happened, when you are rewarded for that, you lean into it. Uh, and so I don't think they're necessarily going to put the reins on Josh Allen's rushing this year. I would expect that they kind of, if anything, kind of, weave it into a broader, um, you know, strategy potentially because the coaching staff and for the bills is they're not dummies. Like they're not like bottom of the barrel, poor coaching. Uh, they have strengths. They have, you know, they have some things that they do with that coaching staff from a development standpoint, especially that I, I think is valuable. Uh, but they do have an enormous, enormous weakness in their, uh, skill position players, pass catching, you know, re receivers and tight ends are an enormous problem. Uh, you know, LaShawn McCoy is way on the wrong side of 30 at this point. Uh, and Josh Allen has done nothing in the passing game to tell us. He's going Cole to, Beasley. Uh, I don't, not, not buying that, but they have a good defense. No, not to a degree that. that defense matters much is, is debatable. Uh, they have a good home field advantage. Uh, so they might squeak out a win or two against teams that you might not expect otherwise. So, you know, I mean, I guess I, I could have seen a case for it at, at six, maybe six and a half, seven. I'm like, man, it's time to come back on the Thunder probably if you, if you get any higher. So that um, wagon just yeah. got out of control. More, more money has been bet on the bills over than any other uh, win total across the board. And it's not close. Um, it's crazy. So, Go reel me that one. I mean, uh, what what are both of your opinions on the money that's come in on win totals? What percentage of all the money that's been bet on win totals 
would you say is public money at this point? Being the fact that it's July 11th and the season doesn't start for 55 days yet. Uh, Don't you have to respect the earlier money a little more in a market like this? I would respect it. I'm not more saying you should change your opinion in, on the bills. Yeah, I'm no, no, saying no, 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 in, no, no. in general. I know. I I will. I respect early money in like the college football game of the year market more than I do here. Yeah. Um, here, that yeah, the er, I mean the early money, I, you know, to a degree, it could just be a lot of people who are you know just only betting NFL and you know like they can't. They just got to get their fix in the middle of the summer, spring, uh, and you know. But and and I also I also don't have a sense. Okay, here's here's the other thing. Well, it we kind of really it kind of flies in the face it, of the of yeah of what we said earlier as but, far yeah, as but, being a wildly variant market. Here's here's the other huge important thing that I think is worth pointing out here. Uh, the entirety of the NFL is wisdom of the crowds, not sharp play. I would I would sit down and listen to an argument of they're like it's a different market entirely than baseball than basketball and college basketball. Uh, it is there are noted sharp players that we know that are literally like why bet football, right? And so it wouldn't surprise me at all if there really if there is only a public for the most part in, when it comes to NFL in a macro sense. Does that jab at all? Mm. Oh, that makes sense. <clears throat> so I don't know. I, I, I would listen to that. I'm not making that argument, but I, if someone made that case to me, I would say, Oh yeah. Okay. I get that. Um, I kind of so, want to ask you a few people about that now. I really yeah, we should, thinking I, more we and more about that, that because it's like, we should. it's like, who, who, who is doing this? Who's betting these early? Who's it could just be a lot, yeah. of, a lot of people that are super excited about football. It is a popular sport here in America. It is. It is. It is. Um, okay. Uh, Andy, who you got next? Man, I had a few that uh, I wanted to talk about, but I hadn't really thought much about this, but do we have to auto bet the Tennessee Titans over now? Over? Because of the Vrabel's. Vrabel oh, said he cut his it. dick off to get a Super Bowl. <laughs> Let's talk about the Titans. <laughs> like, uh, how do you? Um, I want to talk about that whole division in general because it's it looks like it's it's roughly three eighths, and then you have the Colts. You have the Colts sitting up there, and I mean it, it kind of it does remind me a little of the NFC North too, where you have you have a, a few teams. You don't have a low team. You don't have a Bengals. You don't have a Dolphins. You don't have a Cardinals. You have three teams that are around eight and a nine and another research project I want to do now. But uh, something I was looking at was Texans under, even though it is juicy, I think you can find it at probably 130, 135. Uh, that's another one where I'm just happy to fade a team that doesn't care to put anything uh, to protect their, their greatest asset there. They're, they're going to go the whole season without a GM. And I'm huge, kind of huge I'm bullish enough bus, yeah, on the Texans are. Yeah. It's a huge boomer bust with the Texans. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where I'm, I'm happy to probably do some alts on them because I am bullish on the Colts to continue success. Not enough to bet a juicy over nine and a half, but I think as bullish as I am on the Colts and I'm kind of hopeful for the Jaguars to be not a bad team 
team. I just think that it doesn't leave it doesn't leave a ton of room for the Texans to be a, a nine win team in this division. I think their Pythag what was their Pythag? Ten point eight. They right on it, man. They went they won eleven and their Pythag yeah. was ten point eight. Yeah. They scored 402 points and conceded 316. But as Suma mentioned in the run-up, they had the one of the easiest, or it did, they had the second easiest, third easiest schedule last year. Suma. I also think they had an extremely oh, so, easy. Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> sorry, uh, no worries. <laughs> um, yeah, <I'm, laughs> it was a bottom I five just... schedule, right? Texans had like a bottom five schedule. Plus, if I remember yeah, correctly, yeah. it was super easy situationally. Like they had, they really were kind of uh, given an easy path in terms of travel, in terms of, you know, back-to-back roadies, things like that. Yeah. And um, Houston and the Colts had um, the two, I think, the, well, uh, sorry, uh, two of the easiest schedules uh, in terms of opposing offenses. So they played some really low offenses and, um, yeah, barely just thrived throughout a very easy schedule. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, Titans and Texans, Andy, that you brought up there, uh, the two biggest movers to the under so far. Um, both opened at eight and a half. <laughs> both opened at eight and a half, uh, and uh, both are down 50 cents. Uh, from the uh, from the opener. In fact, the Titans came down a whole half a game, and it's still a juicy under. Um, so uh, at least kind of tracking bookmaker moves at ten thousand dollar limits, I'm seeing the biggest uh, the biggest negatives on the Texans and the Titans. Um, Texans boomer bust. Titans are only a bust in my opinion. Um, I'll talk about another boomer bust candidate which is the Rams. Uh, they won 13 last year. Their Pythag win total was 11.7. So they overperformed to the tune of 1.3 wins. Their adjustment, however, between actual wins last year and aligned wins this year was two and a half. So they have already come down on this team, two and a half wins. Uh, could it be because they're expecting the public to run in and bet the under expecting Super Bowl hangover? Probably. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of turnover on this team. Coaching staff comes back, quarterback comes back. Most of the impact players come back. Uh, so it's not obvious to me why you would have this big of a shift in expected total wins. Uh, and, uh, and sure enough, money has even come in on the under, even given that two and a half win adjustment, it's down to, Ten and a half uh, with the under juice now to minus one thirty-five, um, and as we kind of laid out in the opener, this is a high volatility team to me. The fragility around this roster is enormous. Uh, we don't know about the health of Todd Gurley already, and there are he is eating up an absolutely outsized portion of their cap space, uh, which means you have thin replacement players across a lot of important parts of your roster um and you know the idea that they're going to get a full complement of healthy games out of their aging offensive line which was superlatively important when it came to getting production out of jared goff uh i think uh we have some significant questions as to you know whether this team can you know can be anywhere close to the same quality of uh you know quality of roster come week 17 as week one that said 
if they do stay healthy, they have a pretty easy schedule. They're not traveling a whole hell of a lot. They're not doing except they are going to London, I guess. Uh, they're but overall, yeah. uh, oh, <laughs> overall, the travel is not like horrific this year for them. Uh, and um, you know, they still have one of the most, uh, you know, one of the the most accomplished uh, offensive minds running their their team. Uh, Suma, opinion question for you on the Rams, because I want to ask a lot of the smart football minds this over the course of our prep for this season. Um, we saw Sean McVay turtle and do some conservative boneheaded decision-making play calling in the playoffs. Uh, and there's been a lot of clamor in the analytics community over the course of this off season that that cost them the Super Bowl. that it, you know, that they would have been a more, uh, you know, a more, dynamic team even in the playoff wins that they had if they were making better decisions. Do you think that McVay learns from this heading into 2019 or do you think he kind of rests on his laurels and, uh, and does it all again? Um, I think it's no doubt one of the smartest coaches in the league. Um, but I think that as he mentioned too, that he um, overstudied, um, I think that Sean McVay sometimes loses um, the overview on the macro level and focuses too much on the micro level, um, how to attack certain coverages, um, et cetera, et cetera. He's very good at this, but sometimes I think that he could do much better on the macro level, like um, play calling tendencies, um, going more on, on fourth down, um, being more risky uh, in the red zone um, and, and all the stuff like this. And I think in the Super Bowl, um, yeah, he said that he has intensely studied all 18 games from, from the Patriots on tape. Um, and his game plan was to to pound and a hurt Todd Gurley into an eight-man box. Um, and then yeah. Jared Goff had to do some crazy things against man coverage and um, creative blitz packages from Bill Belichick. And that didn't really work out. So... I think Sean McVay is, is one of the best coaches when, when it comes to micro-coaching, but he really could improve on the macro-level. So then the question is, if he does improve, you know, the fact that they got to the Super Bowl and that they're basically bringing back the same roster uh, and that you could see a potential improvement step forward from McVay with more experience and, you know, kind of taking some of these lessons and improving his performance, you know, like, does that mean this could be a very scary team in 2019 if everything goes right? Um, I think there are two problems. And one is that um, I think 90% of casual football fans couldn't name one starter on their interior offensive line. Um, so you have guys like Joseph Noteboom, Brian Allen, and Austin Blythe. Um John Sullivan and Roger Seffold are gone, two veterans that um, provided that line with a lot of stability. Um, then, yeah, then you have Andrew Whitworth. Is he's entering age thirty-seven, I guess. Um, one small regression for Andrew Whitworth, and you are finally dealing with a um, significantly uh, below-average offensive line. And Jared Goff is one of the worst quarterbacks under pressure in this league. So um, it's going to be kind of. A, Kind of interesting how Sean McVay, Sean McVay is going to play around this offensive line because right now we can't predict that this line 
is going to play any close to that level from um, 2017, 2018. Um, and the second point would be that um, I don't think they're going to go 6-0 and within their division at this time. Um, oh, yeah, good that, point. They swept their division, um, and this time, um, I, I think both games against the Seahawks were close last year. Um, and they shredded the Niners with their backup quarterbacks. Um, Josh Rosen had no shot against them. So I think this year with Cliff Kingsbury and Calamari, the Cardinals offense is going to look some some more explosive. And I think opposing defenses will have a hard time defending this, at least in the at the beginning of the year. And uh, yeah, like Andy mentioned, um, uh, the Niners should get better with Jimmy Garoppolo, with some healthy wide receivers, and and especially with a defense that isn't one of the worst defenses in like a century in creating turnovers. <laughs> I don't know. It's they like we know. said at the beginning too. You know? Yeah, good. One one team's misfortune is another team's. It's like yeah, Suma made a good point about going six zero in the division with the, the Seahawks. Granted, they had you know they ended up winning close to their Pythag. They had an uneven year. I think at times they they were a kind of a goofy team for me. And obviously the Niners getting hurt and the Cardinals just being a lost team. Like they, they benefited greatly from essentially they were the Patriots in the West. They, their division didn't put up a lot of uh, a lot of resistance against them. And when you get six wins in division, it's awful hard not to at least get 10. Well, they have 13 mm. then? Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Suma, you get to the last call. Last, last one. Uh, you can pick any team, especially the Bears, uh, and then uh, we'll wrap up this fantastic pod. Um, I want to give that to Andy. Andy, what do you think about um, Purple Pain and Kirk Cousins? He's a, he's an analytic quarterback now. He says he figured <laughs> it, he might be the first quarterback to say it. He's like, hey, I might not even be that good at play action. But it works. Like he, he was yeah. amazed. It's it's awesome seeing a player figure that out. Which hopefully that means the coaching staff figured it out. But I feel like every win total in the NFC North is probably untouchable right now. High all, variance. All yeah. boomer bust. All, all if you want anything, yeah, it's all boomer bust. Maybe not the Lions. Who knows with the Lions right now? But uh, they're I think they're priced appropriately. Um, the the win total for Minnesota feels maybe a half game high, but I think if you wanted to bet on a Vikings under, you would want to take an alt anyway. They, it might just be a shit show year, or they they surpass it and Kirk Cousins, the offense, gets it all of a sudden and they they do well. But they feel like an under team. We talked about this last week with uh, I kept wanting to say Mike Tice. That's why I kept not saying it. Mike Zimmer. Is uh, is the head coach, and yeah, we we talked about that a little earlier in the week with defensive minded head coaches not being a good fit. So, if I was forced to make a bet on my purple, it would be an under. Okay, do you disagree, Sim? I don't really disagree. Um, I'm looking at this offense and what went wrong last year, and I came to the conclusion that this offense can't be worse. They can only get better. <laughs> Um, I would agree I mean, with that. Yeah, so the offensive line got to play better. Um, I think um, Cousins and Stefan Diggs had a terrible uh, connection last year when I'm when I'm not wrong. Uh, that got to be better. 
um, maybe um, more coaching in line with Mike Zimmer. Um, they're going to, I think they're going to run in an outside zone scheme. Um, I, I still think that Mike Zimmer is willing to pound the ball on early downs, um, but maybe they are a little bit more efficient with their running game. So, um, I mean, you don't need to run to set up play action, but if you can actually run well, it's better than running worse. So, um, <laughs> I think um, I also think that this offense has been the worst running offense in terms of EPA since 2016. So I think the arrow can only go up. Okay, uh, it's it's it is a weird situation though because Kirk Cousins clearly a quarterback that thrives out of the play action. Thrives. He's he yeah. he 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 is all about knowing where the guys are without looking at them. Anti anti Aaron Rodgers in that respect, and yet you have a quarter. You know you have a coach that thinks. The only way play action will succeed is if we can establish the run and we can't establish the run, which means we can't call play action. So it's like a weird snake eating its tail of bad decision making. Uh, And they can't get to what is good in their offense because they don't think they can get there, but they can. So it's it's very, uh, yeah, maybe they stumble into that and, you know, kind of learn from their mistakes. I I was surprised that it failed so spectacularly with John DeFilippo last year, Uh, but uh, it is what it is. All right, let's wrap it up. That was freaking awesome. Good primer on the regular season win totals. I think uh, we gave the people some good information. Suma, uh, thank you as always. I know it's super late where you are in Germany. We really appreciate your time and, and all of your input here. Uh, yeah, It's Friday in Germany. Jesus. Yeah, thank you for, yeah, thanks for talking to us about this. <laughs> always happy when you stay up late and talk to us. It was a blast again. I enjoyed it, guys. Absolutely. Best of luck this season, buddy. Yeah, thank you very much. You too, guys.